Iowa's News Now Sports brings you black and gold glory. Your all-access pass to all things Hawkeyes. This is Eye on the Hawks. Everybody's looking forward to being you know, back, uh, back on Duke Slater Field and having a chance to perform. So, you know, it never really gets old, and it uh, really is invigorating to get into a game week and uh, start facing the weekly challenges. Samesies, Kirk. Samesies. Welcome to Eye on the Hawks. It is game week to start 2023. Mitch Fick here with Owen Sebring and Mike Howell. Thank you again to everybody who has been subscribing and downloading and watching and liking on Twitter. This has been really cool to see over the last few weeks, setting the table for us getting the 2023 campaign. So thank you to everybody. If you aren't following or you haven't clicked subscribe on stuff, there's a list of what you can do. We're over 100 followers on Twitter, which is wild. Thank you to everybody who's doing that. And of course, the Iowa's News Now Facebook page or the Instagram and YouTube page. Uh, follow those. That's where we'll be dropping clips from the podcast video form or again on YouTube, the full video version. If you're listening to this again, check out the YouTube channel as well, because we'll have highlights with everything, full video clips of those interviews that you're hearing the sound bites from. Uh, just a more immersive uh, experience there. I think we're over or around 6,000 views between the four episodes we've dropped so far. So again, thank you to everybody who's been helping out with all that. And remember, that we will live stream on Sunday at noon, recapping the Utah State game. Uh, so log in on that Sunday at noon. You can get in the chat. We'll answer as many questions, comments, hopefully not have to block anybody through all that, depending on how the game goes. So uh, thank you again to all the engagement so far. Again, we're just kind of building the foundation on what we're hoping to do as we get ready for the start of the Hawkeye football season and Utah State. But, of course, the big question, Owen, how's Cade? Is he good? How's the leg? What's going no, on? We were texting earlier today. Uh, <laughs> no, that's not the kind of access I have. Wish I did. Doesn't happen. Um, I am still so split on what I think is going to happen. Um, we, we chatted with David Eichelt earlier today. Sure. And he seems to think that Cade is going to play some snaps. He seems like he, he's going to get the start, um, and he'll play, you know, maybe just the first half, assuming it's a blowout over Utah State. I'm of the maybe similar mindset where I do think that just with – it's hard for a guy like Kirk Ferentz to uh, push aside the pageantry and the excitement that Iowa has for having Cade McNamara here. So it's like even if it's just the opening drive, kind of a preseason NFL football game type of thing where you throw Aaron Rodgers out there for six plays, you know, do the same for Cade. Just let him sling it a couple times. We'll see. So uh, Tuesday, a player availability. Cade was the last guy to come out. Kind of made everybody wait a little bit. Uh, came out and then it was just a swarm, pun not intended, towards uh, towards him to get all the answers. And, uh, well, the answers, well, let him speak for himself. Didn't get a whole lot of them. Yes, everyone's kind of wondering um, health update and how you're doing. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm just progressing every single day. I'm feeling a lot better. And uh, really, I'm just really excited to get out there with my teammates. And, you know, we've prepared really well this week so far. You expect to play on Saturday? Um, I mean, I'm honestly just really getting better every single day. That decision is just really going to come down to the coaches and the medical staff. Have you been clear to practice? Yeah, I've been practicing. I haven't participated in 100% of practice, but I've been, I've been practicing. Is the goal to be full go by Friday? Um, I mean, my intention and my goal is to play as many games as I possibly can. And, I mean, of course I want to be out there with my teammates. And, like I said, it's just kind of down to what the coaches feel and how the medical staff feels. Hashtag Cade is progressing. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think, to your point, talking about him, I can't imagine the, the roar of the crowd for that first drive as he comes out. Mm -hmm. um, 
again, this is a Utah State team that they're favored by more than two touch or three touchdowns over a Utah State team that was 113th against the run last year. Mm-hmm. We've heard about this offensive line being night and day compared to last year when they were young and inexperienced. A lot more experience in there. A couple transfers helped that as well. Iowa might not need to throw more than 18, 20 times to beat Utah State. So mm-hmm. do I think he comes out and maybe splits and it's him first half, Deacon Hill second half? We heard a lot of good stuff about Deacon Hill yesterday as well. I, I don't know. It, I think does Kirk fully plug into what fans want and all that in the pageantry, so to speak? I, it would be tough for him to not trot out the corner piece or the cornerstone of this recruiting class, you want to call it the roster, a captain uh, voted by his teammates in Cade McNamara. I wouldn't be shocked if it was Deacon the whole time, though, just to be like, hey, let's give him one more week, get him ready for Iowa State, and then he can make his home debut against Western. Interesting thing about Deacon is if it does turn into a blowout, then it's like, who do we then see next? I mean, if it's, you know, 35 nothing, then do they put in Joe Labus for a little bit? Marco. Marco. <laughs> I mean, who knows? Who is as a true freshman? Yeah. yeah. Let, let me ask you this, though. Um, I don't know if either of you guys remember this. Last year at the season opener when they were playing uh, South Dakota State, what were they favored by in that game? I mean, was was the point spread a, a wide one in that game as well? Maybe I'm wrong on That's this, Mike. Question. You know this. Since they're an FCS team, do they have a point spread mm-hmm. on it? That, that, no, you're right. Because the UNI-Iowa State game, doesn't have a spread. I had to look like on several different websites to find. For Entering the, the dark the web to find the, yeah. the line for you and, and I'm not even State. sure how accurate it is, but it said like yeah. 23 and a half for the Iowa State game. I was favored by more than the four. Or the State game? I would imagine. I mean, South Dakota State came in, what, preseason number three in mm-hmm. FCS last year. I mean, they were, yeah. it's widely accepted that it was going to be a difficult game, sure. a, t- a tough matchup, but my, my only seven, thought, 7-3 with two safeties was not the forecast. Yeah, my only thought is that like, to what I was saying earlier about, you know, trotting Kate out for, you know, a couple of drives maybe and then seeing what Deacon can do. What happens then if it does turn into a close game for some reason? You know, what if it is like seven to three at halftime? And then, I mean, it, 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 that, that's when it really would be a tough call for Kirk when it's not just like, well, let's just throw out Deacon and, you know, let him, let him play for a while. I don't think it would be just throwing out De- I think they've got a lot. Of- Deacon Hill is one of two guys right now that you are the front runners for QB1 next year. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's got a ton of time with the ones because Cade had sur- or was recovering from surgery in the spring. He's had two weeks with the ones as uh, he was recovering from the kids' day injury. So I don't think it'd be throwing him out. I think he's Deegan Hill could start for a lot of other teams mm. uh, around the country, I believe. Yeah. So I, I think that also will factor in the fact that I think they're comfortable with what Ke- Deegan can do. He's had plenty of time with the ones. Again, he coming out, he's a four-star recruiter or whatever it was. He, he's got... He's got ability. He can play quarterback, too. And yeah. He could be your starter next year. So I, I think that factors in well. If if it is a close game, I think they would probably trust Deacon to, to get yeah. him out of it in a lot and, of ways. And I, I love Deacon. He's just a fun guy to talk to, fun yeah. story. I mean, I've talked about this before. His sister's a gold medal winner on the U.S. Uh, water polo team. Just a fun in- guy with an interesting background. Um, but it's just so much of a – I mean, Cade has been so heavily – the guy, he which, is the guy. Yeah, I absolutely. mean, yeah, Kirk has talked about him so heavily that it is like Deacon is definitely the second string guy, um, and so even even though I think he will do he would do great out there, um, it's it's interesting to see like how much they would want to you know just give him that start if uh, if they have you know eighty percent confidence in Cade. We'll know a heck of a lot more uh, at nine o'clock on Saturday because mm-hmm. those uh, those pregame uh, availability rosters have to come out as well. More on that in a little bit. But uh, I did mention Cade is one of four captains voted on by his teammates. You've got Cade McNamara, Luke Lachey, Joe Evans, and Jay Higgins. Mike, uh, we don't have receipts, but I called that back in like May that Jay Higgins was going to be a captain. Uh, He really did, yeah, in the newsroom. (laughs) Uh, Legitimately, uh, Cade 
answered questions about that yesterday as well on Tuesday and uh, really seemed touched by that gesture from his teammates. Take a listen. Yeah, I mean, that meant everything to me. When Coach Ferentz announced that I was, I got elected to be one of the captains for this week by my teammates, I mean, that just, I mean, that's just, that's what I really care about. Just, you know, just knowing that, you know, the guys have that much belief and respect in me. Um, it really, really means a lot to me. Yeah, I get the feeling that's not something he takes for granted. I, again, he came in, Cali trip. He's, he's been the guy. He's been a leader. But, you know, it, it sounds like it really it wasn't something he was expecting. And that, that just strikes me as how Cade McNamara is wired, yeah. is that he's constantly got a chip on his shoulder. I don't have a great knowledge of history of who's been captains for what games, that kind of thing. But I, I was just so blown away by the fact that it's, I mean, he's only been in Iowa City for eight months, something like that. I mean, just that they would, you know, give that captain label to a guy who, um, you know, just came in. I mean, that speaks so much of how much he really must mean to this team and his leadership ability. Sure. And, of course, Kirk Ferentz, once he got to the podium on Tuesday, plenty of questions for him about Cade, status, yada, yada, yada. Here's the head hawk on everything. Um, you know, it's, it's a strain muscle issue, soft tissue issue, and uh, certainly – Started working at the end of last week. He's been practicing. I can't. I can't put a percentage on where he's at right now. Uh, he's been cleared medically. That's the good news. Uh, then the thing we have to judge as we go along is how effective can he be, and you know, can he go out and perform uh, in a way that's representative of the kind of player he is. So, uh, look good in practice today. Well, it's kind of day by day. We'll see how sore he is tomorrow and see how he's feeling. And uh, you know, obviously, we'd love to have him out there, but we also want to make sure he can perform at a high level. So would you say questionable is sort of the right way to describe his? Oh yeah, aspect? absolutely. Yeah, I think right now he is certainly, and uh, I know what he wants to do. I know how he's wired, and that that's part of our job just to be smart about it. And um, you know, it's it's tricky. It's always tricky. So we'll just kind of take it day by day, see what it looks like. And again, the, the number one, I think, first and foremost, is what the medical people say. If you can't play, you can't play. But that hasn't been the case. So um, you know, we just want to make sure you can play effectively and make. Make sure he's complaining the way it's represented, the kind of player he is. There were so many questions about, is he questionable? Is he 90%? Is he 95%? You know, could he be the emergency quarterback if all else fails? Uh, we'll find it. Kirk also had the, uh, the funny comment. It was asked about, well, or well, I guess that's a, a different thing that we'll get in a, a little bit, talking about other guys that might pop up on the uh, availability list. But we're going to find out at 9 a.m., I suppose, aren't we? I mean, there's nothing else to really talk about there. Yeah, I mean, the quarterback thing, we've talked about it so much, and, I mean, everything is just going to be speculation until 9 a.m. on Saturday. And with that, we move forward, uh, except for one more thing. We'll have one more personal way in. Of course, there's a TV side of Eye on the Hawks. David Eicholt from 24-7 was your guest on, on the show uh, this week, and he had thoughts on well of just what's going on uh, with the quarterback room and everything else in Iowa City. So let's take a look at that. Well, we talked about the guy all offseason after the transfer to Iowa. Now the injury comes up, and at mm -hmm. this point, he's listed as a starter on Saturday. How much do you think that we're going to actually see Cade play this Saturday? I do think we are going to see Cade play. I mean, I think it's a big deal that he's been cleared medically as of Tuesday. And he's been practicing, I believe, since Saturday is when he came back. Iowa football put out that cryptic picture of <laughs> him and pads inside yeah. Kinnick Stadium. But keep in mind, I do think that he really does have to play because this is a guy that really has not played meaningful snaps since the college football playoff. I mean, he's a proven winner. He has a ton of college football experience, but he needs that in-game rep with his new team. Yes, he has chemistry with Eric All, et cetera, but I do think, ideally, he goes out there, Iowa scores four touchdowns in the first half, 
bench him, put in Deacon Hill as the backup for the rest of the game. And you alluded to it a little bit yesterday and, and in the show as well. I mean, how big it is that he is a, uh, a captain on Saturday mm-hmm. just because we haven't seen an Iowa quarterback be a captain of the team in a few years. Yeah, and again, I also can't remember the last time an injured player or a guy that has not played has <laughs> been a true. team captain. Yeah. So I do think that, may, again, maybe I'm reading too much into it. Maybe I have my tinfoil hat. <laughs> Insert the gif of just the conspiracy theory. Uh, but I do think we are going to see Kay. Not Quite honestly, I do think just from morale of the team and the fan base to really kind of get reignited into the season, I think it is important that Kay trots out there and leads the team out on Saturday. And I think we are going to see that. It'll be a cool moment. It will be. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, when that offense goes out the field for the first time, I think that'll be really cool. He makes a lot of really good points. And if you want to see the full episode of uh, Eye on the Hawks, that's going to be 6 o'clock on Fox 28 on Thursday, or it'll also be on iowasnewsnow.com. It'll be on the YouTube channel as well. And uh, I believe it's going to be a special Eye on the Hawks podcast as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, David's such a great guest to have him because, I mean, I said that he knows more about Iowa football than about 99.9% of (laughs) Iowa residents. Uh, Kirk Ferentz might be the only one I'm uh, leaving <laughs> off of that list, but yeah, just has such great knowledge. We're going to have a different guest host every week on Eye on the Hawks, but uh, even if we did not, Dave would be the perfect guy to bring in every week just because of his deep, vast knowledge of Iowa football. He might be the utility guy that's leaned on. We talked about <laughs> Deacon Hill a little bit. I would say there's a fairly decent chance we see him in some capacity on Saturday. Again, the guy who's in the running to be QB1 in 2024. Uh, Kirk also talked about just his journey to Iowa City as well uh, during Tuesday's presser. Yeah, a lot, lot regarding Deacon, a lot better than three weeks ago, two weeks ago, or one week ago. And that, that's that's what camp's for, to watch guys improve. And, you know, if there's a blessing when Cade was out, uh, gave him every opportunity to work uh, a lot. And then Joe just returned last week at the end of last week. So it's good to get him back out there. He looks good, and he seems like he's fully healthy now. Uh, would have been nice to have him the whole period, but we didn't. And um, so he's playing catch-up. But I think that month of December really advanced him as well. You, you mentioned a little bit, or well, I guess it was uh, David who was talking about um, the amount of time that has passed since Cade last played meaningful yeah. snaps. Same could be almost said for Deacon. I mean, he... Is, is what, his second year of college. Played a little bit in a, a blowout last year for Wisconsin. Yep. Uh, senior year of high school, he didn't get to play because he was in California. They got their season canceled because of COVID. So junior year of high school is the last time he really played meaningful steps. So it's been a long time since he's been on the field. Yeah, and, and again, a big deal getting Joe Labus back out there in, in practice. Marco Linez, as much fanfare as he comes in as a recruit, he's QB2, fresh into the program uh, there for a couple weeks. So good yeah. to get everybody back and healthy. But, of course, this is a Kirk Ferentz team. It is going to go as far as the O-line can go. We touched on that a little bit. Young group in 2022 took some lumps for sure. The consensus across the board seems to be that not that there's just more experience coming into 2023 with Rusty Feth and Dejon Parker coming in, more guys with experience after last year's season, but also just maybe a different mindset for these guys going into 2023. Mason Richmond, Logan Jones, and Kirk weighing in on that as well. I think we, that started way back in January. It started right after that bowl game. Um, and the way we came back this offseason just worked each and every day and competed against each other. That was the most important thing for us. And just each and every day, all of us going out there, just having a purpose. I think that's the most important thing. I think there were sometimes last year we might have gone out there and just gone through the motions. But, you know, our coaching staff and some of our leaders have really emphasized going out there with some purpose and motivation. You know, last year we didn't have the, I guess you could say, depth uh, at a whole lot of positions or trust in these guys. But... I really feel like you can put you can plug any one of our backups in 
and they, they could start a football game too. You know, there's a lot of trust in every one of these dudes to go out there and get the job done. They understand what they need to do and understand what they can't do at the same time, you know. I understand what it's pass pro, they can't get beat inside and things like that. So, I mean, you, like, like I said, you can put anybody in there, they're going to get the job done. Uh, yeah, you pulled Linderbaum out of the equation the last two years. We haven't had a lot of experience up there. Or you think about a guy like Colby had whatever 11 starts going into last year, but there was a true freshman where he was just trying to survive, you know, in all fairness to him. So, you know, it's just a whole night and day situation right now. We got a lot more experience and, um, you know, a little bit more maturity. So he was mentioning uh, Connor Colby two years ago, started 11 games. That freshman that was just kind of in there was Mason Richmond, who you can now make a, a pretty compelling argument is the best on, on the yeah. offensive line. I mean, he's, he's right there. He's at left tackle now for a reason. Uh, definitely more experience. Again, Logan Jones last year was still moving in from D tackle. Uh, again, replacing Tyler Lindebaum is not an easy task. It feels like he's taking a big jump. Jennings Dunker, two-time, now Hay Bale champion. People are hyped up about that. I don't know if it's a... Honest unit of measurement of success. I assume it's all pro, though, for sure. Definitely positive. Uh, there's high expectations for him at right tackle as well. Uh, this feels like a group that there's there's no way where to go but up. And again, going into Utah State, a, a team that struggled against the run last year, it feels like this is a great opportunity from that first drive, maybe even regardless of who's throwing the ball, this O-line gets to make a statement right away and, and pave the way for Caleb Johnson coming. Yeah, and this is something that David and I talked about as well. Um, and I asked him about who one of the best linemen would be on this year's team, maybe the guy who breaks out as a star. He actually pinpointed Logan as the guy who he thinks is going to be yeah. a star on this year's uh, this year's uh, offensive line. But, yeah, just looking at these guys, I mean, it just seems like there is just different energy, and it seems like everybody around the program talks about how this starting five or even if starting five might not even be the right word because there's so much depth there that it's almost like starting eight that you could have or refer to the offensive line that it is just a night and day difference from where they were the last two years. That was the term Kirk used yesterday, and I think he doesn't have any sort of problem if you got if you are rotating eight, nine guys on that, especially early. Flex that depth. Again, something that wasn't really there last year, a lot of inexperience. The O-line, he said, was right there with the wide receivers in terms of the, the moves they made. Again, people... Logan Jones was a was fresh off the D-line trying to do that, again, with the inexperience everywhere else. One scholarship wide receiver going into the mm -hmm. opener last year. A lot has changed. A lot of experience certainly out there as well. What do you guys uh, think is a like a realistic expectation for this offensive line to grow? Like upper half of the Big Ten, top three? I, it's hard to gauge because there's not like so a what's stack your, group. your unit of measurement? Too? Yeah. That's the, the other thing yeah. is what are the metrics to measure? you can look at sacks, sacks. Sacks given up. But, you know, I think at least Flushing in the pocket, Kate is more of a is better in the pocket than Spencer was last year. He's just kind of you know d didn't Move have a lot of mobility back there. But can it be one of the best groups in the Big Ten? And if it if it is, then it you know Iowa probably has 10, 11 wins. You know, I think it'll really go again. I talked about just the rushing game, and especially with Caleb setting up to maybe have a big sophomore season. I, I think rushing yards will be a big measurement. Scott Doctorman a few years back, and I always kind of use that as the. As the template to measure was Iowa was something like hundreds of wins and very few losses when they run for 100 yards. And you saw that attrition start to hit and, and wear on stuff. And I've probably got some updated numbers that I'll, I'll try to share on Twitter later this week or X, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but the run game is a, a big measurement, I think, because you have to have a good O-line there. You know, um, Sacks are going to be a big one, too. But I, I think Iowa can be in the upper half of the Big Ten, if not higher, uh, this is a group that I, I know we talked a ton about quarterback and the offensive weapons there. 
that O-line is going to make or break everything, in my opinion. We got outed last week for uh, not knowing too much about the head coaches in the Big Ten. Or Tom Allen, Indiana, <laughs> Mike Locksley. Uh, I might know even less about some of the offensive line units over on the eastern part of the Big Ten. Um, but I, I don't have any reason to think that this Iowa team couldn't be a top, top three uh, offensive line in the Big Ten. Um, and maybe even higher than that based on the experience and the talent they have coming back. Um, again, it's hard to say any sort of stati statistical measurement because those don't really exist on the O-line. Unless you want to yeah, talk about sacks given up or something like that. Um, we've heard a couple of opinions. I think I talked about Jennings being the star of the offensive line coming up. Uh, David said, Logan, you've, you maybe said Mason would maybe be your pick today. I, I think he's really good. M Mike, what do you think? Anybody that you Yeah, I, I remember listening to Kirk yesterday, his presser. He, he had a lot of glowing things to say about Mason, and he was the one that was moving around last year, right? Now he's solidified, and did you say his left tackle or right tackle? Tackles are both him and, yeah. and Jennings, he said. Left tackle, Jennings, yeah. Jennings make or break, he, he's going to be there, yeah, right tackle. Yeah, so I would go with that. But I do think, too, when you say we go eight or nine deep in the O-line, when you see um, Parker, is it Parker and, and Feth back there that's going to play? Like they, they could slot in football. there too. They got a lot of football. And I think those. one of your sound bites, they were like, um, they said, you know, a lot of backups they could slot in and start again. in there as well. Mm -hmm. um, and again, Connor Colby out of Kennedy has played a lot of football too. He's moved around a little bit. Sounds like he'll be your right guard, but they got experience. And it's one thing we do know for sure they'll be better. I think we can say that with a lot of confidence. Yeah. They will be better than 2022. And, of course, the magic number continues to be 25 in Iowa City. That is the average points per game now in that addendum in Brian Farron's contract. You know it was talked about to Kirk as we go into 2023. And in typical Kirk fashion, he had a little fun with the questions about trying to average 25 a game. So I got two thoughts on that. So I, I could probably get fired for this, but like one of my favorite all times wins here was six four. I mean, you know, and so maybe I'm revealing my inner, you know, the inner reason why we uh, are struggling this way. But uh, like you know, that that was the best way to win that day and taking the safety. You know, and I just had a feeling like they weren't going to move the ball on us, and you know, they threw it right back to us after the after the punt there coming out of the uh, off the twenty. So, like, you know, you just try to figure out what's going on that day and you play to that, that end. Um, and then, you know, I think probably the most important stat, if you want to rank coordinators, would be wins per coordinator. Like, how many wins does this guy average when he's the coordinator? You know, and we've trying to think. I've been around four coordinators. I don't know. It's not true. Five in my career here, if you include assistant and uh, three defensive coordinators during my 34 years. And those guys all have pretty good numbers in terms of, you know, the amount of wins they, they were involved in as, as coordinators. And that should be a coordinator's job, too, what's best for winning, you know, whether it's, you know, blitz or don't blitz or all that stuff. You know, so it's, it's got to be in the back of everybody's mind. How, how can we win this game collectively? I'll uh, paraphrase what Kirk said about his wife's opinion, Mary's opinion, way back when. I think he said this was 40 years ago. You know, when you win, that seems to just kind of fix everything. And I think... <laughs> Contracts, whatever. Uh, if Iowa wins, I think everybody will be all right with everything else, as long, as long as maybe you score a little more than last year, <laughs> more than twenty-five or so, roughly. Uh, you know, who's going to put a number on it? But, uh, certainly. Uh, Look at this box score for that six-four game. <laughs> that was a wild game. Iowa had ten first downs. Penn State had six. The yardage is one sixty-eight. Iowa total yardage 
147 Penn State. This is like 1940s football. I remember watching it when I was 14, and I loved every second but of it. To, to a person, if you ask Iowa fans that watched that game or you know followed the team forever, more than not would put that up there as one of their favorite games of all time because it is every June 4th, quint, 4th. quintessential Iowa Six, football. Four the fact that you gave up two safeties and still win, like that's just it's kind of perfect. It's kind of the the perfect uh, representation of what Iowa football can be, where you just find success however you can and. Yeah, certainly a, a nostalgic moment there. Let's go back real quick. Uh, we have learned a couple little details and some things that we can at least see through um, in terms of what we've learned about gambling suspensions. Noah Shannon is appealing his season-long suspension. Again, Kirk took some time to talk about just um, how adamant he is that hopefully Noah can get a little bit of a break there uh, for betting on an, another sport at the University of Iowa. The two other people that we don't know about, the two other players that were facing some sort of suspension, it was spelled out uh, last Wednesday that it was two guys who have significant consequences, uh, which we took as somebody, people who were losing their eligibility entirely. Aaron Blom and Jack Johnson, who were both accused of betting on Hawkeye football games, aren't on the roster anymore. Noah was the one that was said to be appealing. And then we had these two with suspensions. We were told that they probably aren't going to appeal those, which tells me, we still don't know who they are. We might not ever know. He was uh, asked about if that would show up on the availability roster and Kirk kind of laughed and said, I don't know, we'll find it. I got three days to figure that out. I would imagine that means if they're not appealing, those suspensions aren't that long. Something that they could sit out with non-con or something Mm -hmm. like that and they're back by Penn State. Um, So we don't know a lot more, but we're at least we can connect a few dots, I suppose. Yeah, I guess so. Um, <laughs> That's all we can ask for. Another thing that, I mean, this goes back to the quarterback conversation where it's like it's all speculation until yeah. 9 a.m. on Saturday when we Maybe. see the depth. <laughs> yeah, uh, when we see the depth chart come out um, or who's going to be starting in that game. So, uh, a yeah. A little bit of an update. We, yeah, I guess. It's like we've, piece we've talked about this so much and um, there's not a whole lot to add other than... At least than, if it's not 9 a.m. on Saturday, it's 11 when, when yeah. one of the... See if see if anybody. Whoever is a, if they're a starter or not a starter in play, they they're not. Yeah. Oh sure. Yeah. We'll keep, we'll keep eyes peeled and we'll figure that out. Let's switch over to the defense real quick, though. Of course, uh, a few different faces in there. Going to be some different guys filling in uh, for Noah's absence on the D line, but probably one of the deepest positions or spots uh, units they've got in Iowa City. But one of the big new arrivals is Nick Jackson, a guy who. Like Rusty Feth and Dejon Parker on the O-line, has played a lot of football, was a star at Virginia, 350-plus tackles in his career so far. Uh, kind of a strange situation having to be a guy with all that experience and now be the new kid in town, so to speak. I talked to him a little bit on Tuesday about that journey from Virginia to Iowa and says he's got a little more experience adjusting to things uh, more than you might think. Take a listen. I was fortunate enough at Virginia to have some good coaches and uh, staff change actually there too as well. So I did have to learn a new system um, a few times because we did change our system my junior year too. So I've been fortunate enough to be in a couple, a few different defenses. So I'm used to guarding against like change and stuff like that within our defensive scheme. But um, yeah, this one's been an adjustment. Uh, I didn't have a spring ball to learn it either. So I think that uh, it was it was. Drinking out of fire hose for a little bit, but uh, I mean, I think every single day it's growing. But I try not to play the game before the game, and so I always am big on that, trying not to play the game before the game, because I know when you do that, then you can get your mind all spiraled out and stuff like that. But I think that 
Um, I mean, it means a lot. I think that it's been it's been a while since I've been fortunate enough to play that play a football game. Um, so I definitely mean know that it's going to mean a lot for me to get out there on Saturday um, because it's been a long journey getting back to them. This could be a time for hot take. Hot take Sebring over here. Uh, up in the media room where we do those pressers with Kirk Ferentz, over on the side of the wall, we have the pictures of all the consensus All-Americans that uh, Iowa's ever had in their program history. Something about Nick Jackson, I feel like he could be a future addition to that wall. He, I don't think he's Either of our de- pick for defensive MVP. I think, did you have Cooper? I had Cooper, yeah. I had Co- or you had Cooper. I had Joe Evans. Mike, you had? Uh, Deontay Craig. You had Deontay Craig. I think those are all three good picks. Even if Nick Jackson isn't the defensive MVP, I think he leads the team in tackle. It's going to be him or Jay. I'm so excited um, to watch him play. He seems fun. like such a smart kid. So fun. I, love, I love his mindset of not playing the game before the game. Just love that. Just being in the moment. Uh, the drinking out of the fire hose analogy is fantastic. <laughs> yep. We haven't talked about this in the pod. Mike, your immediate takeaway from Caleb Brown's first availability was that Hawkeye strength shirt with the throwback hurt oh, yeah. and the dumbbell. <laughs> so We're cool. seeing more of them. I, I meant to ask Nick. As, the soon, as soon as he walked up, I saw that shirt. I was like, I got to ask him about the shirt. And then I forgot to ask him because he has such great answers. His so. day, all, everyone was wearing one. We will get down to the bottom of where yeah. these shirts are from and when they will be available. I'm so jealous. All the players, and I know this is by design, have all the coolest gear. And then when you go to like Hawk Shops or whatever, <laughs> it's like, I don't want to, you know, I want the stuff they're wearing because yeah. it's, it's just a cooler design. That's all you got to do. Just make the Hawkeye football team and you get the best swag. <laughs> uh, that was something that David talked about, too. We didn't even talk about this on the podcast, but off camera, he was just saying how Nick Jackson is just the easiest guy to talk to. Yeah. Great soundbite. Somebody who's always thoughtful, brings something interesting to the conversation. Just somebody that's uh, really just going to be a lot of fun to cover this year, both on and off the field. And we'll talk to Greg Morris about those shirts. Maybe we can find <laughs> some. Speaking of a guy who's really fun to talk to and who's seen a little bit of football in his day, um, 12th year starter Joe Evans, six <laughs> years, which is still quite a bit. Uh, one of those captains, walk on to scholarship. I, again, my pick for defensive MVP just because the dude has seen everything, done everything, and continues to lead. Uh, obviously, he's, again, part of a, a unit that has a lot of depth, but is going to be missing Noah Shannon. So uh, Joe talked about, I believe you sp- spoke to him on just kind of about his journey and whatnot, right? Yeah, this was, uh, I mean, I kind of went over actually because they they just released the names of the captains, and so I wanted to go get sure. a soundbite on that. And uh, John Steppy was uh, ha- asking him a lot of questions about just coming on scholarship and uh, when he learned he was on scholarship, this would have happened back in 2020. Mm-hmm. But um, I think we've got some sound from Joe just hearing about when Kirk first told him it and, and that conversation they first had with his parents when he told them the news as well. Yeah. It was at... Uh... It was at practice and we were doing special teams, just kickoff, and I'm I'm standing over there just like watching kickoff, because I think I was number three at the time. So I'm standing there, the ones were going up, and then all of a sudden, like, I catch like Coach Ferentz like out of the corner of my eye, and I'm like, he is like looking at me and walking straight towards me. So I'm like thinking, I'm like, did I do something wrong? I'm like, what is going on here? So. I'm like going through every scenario. I'm like, I have literally done nothing. I'm like, I there's nothing I need to call for out for right now. So he's walking towards me. He's like, Hey Joe, like, how's it going? I'm like, It's going good, coach. Like, how are you doing? He goes, Good. Like, you know, how are your parents doing? I'm like, uh, they're they're doing good, coach. Uh, and he's like, Yeah, I just wanted to let you know, like, uh, we put you on a full ride scholarship today. And I think I I gave him like a big hug, and I'm like just just so appreciative of him and um, this this university, this football team. And I'm like, hey, mom, like, do you think you could uh, come in here for, for a sec? And she's like, oh, yeah, of course, like, what's up? I'm like, could you sit down and we can have a talk? And she's like, 
okay like what's going on and i'm like i just want to let you guys know that i got put on scholarship and then my i've never seen my mom um so excited and just she started crying and then my mom starts crying i start crying and my dad starts crying but um it was definitely a moment i'll never forget and again just just forever grateful for those two and um i always say this they're the best parents in the world um they mean everything to me uh, John Steppy even followed that question up with, are, are you a crier, Joe? And he goes, no. He's like, I think that's the last time that I cried back in <laughs> December of 2020 or whatever that was. Um, so, yeah, just speaks to how much that is. Men, it's okay to cry. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I cried just, a lot in know. 2020. <laughs> I'd like to forget about it. <laughs> COVID. Um, man, it's, it's also, that's, isn't that perfect, Kirk, in this era of when there are just kind of these elaborate scholarship reveals and all that, that he just kind of walks, hey, you're on scholarship. <laughs> I, I can see that perfectly. I was actually reminded, it popped up in my, my, we're recording this on Wednesday, popped up in my memory seven years ago today, I was covering Western Michigan, uh, and it was one of my last things I did before moving, and P.J. Fleck surprised a tight end, a reserve tight end, I believe from Battle Creek, with a scholarship by forcing him to field punts, and if he caught a punt, they wouldn't have to do conditioning after practice. Mm -hmm. And then there was a little note on the ball, and he opens it up in his sky, and everybody was crazy. Like that's, yeah. there's always those moments there, but that fits Kirk perfectly. Hey, Joe, you're on scholarship. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and again, just talk about a dude who walked on to Iowa, legacy player. I, I was talking to him about this at Media Day. Again, one of the four starters who's played quarterback in high school and was a really good quarterback at Ames. He said he had opportunities to go to smaller schools and play quarterback, and and maybe changed that path instead he comes and plays d-end at iowa and again has been a stalwart on that on that front line it's really an amazing story especially considering he's the week one of the week one captains as well yeah. um that's just such a great story from walk on in 2018 didn't see 2018 man feels like a long time ago a but long time folks <laughs> joe evans was still <laughs> on the hawkeye roster back then um but going from walk on back then who didn't see any field time to now um starter Captain Week One. I mean, just an amazing story, and really gives uh, gives inspiration and hope. I have to imagine to these other guys who are joining the team as walk-ons in the future. I was looking up some of these guys who are committed to Iowa as walk-ons, like um, Grundy Center, Trent Cake Rice, a, a defensive tackle, Cole Marsh, who's a tight end, Waverly Shellrock, who uh, could be one of those next tight end dudes, uh, Graham Eben from Central Line, George Little Rock, just name a few of them. Um, but guys who come, you know, maybe they're not on scholarship right away, but that is certainly no reason to lose hope because you can be a starter on Scully, be a captain. And I mean, people are talking about Joe playing on Sundays too. And that, that could happen for these guys too. It's, it's really cool to see. I'm always still reminded of Matt Vandenberg out of, coming out of South Dakota, who was a gray shirt his first year. So he came in and um, had to make his own way for a little bit. And of course, there's well, a long history of walk-ons yeah, starting. Didn't you say Quinn was a walk-on? He was a walk-on as well, Quinn Schulte. Um, yeah, in the mid-2000s. He was, he was mic'd up when uh, when Xavier was mic'd up at practice. They don't want to throw that on me. I'm a walk-on. <laughs> <laughs> and now those two guys get to start at safety, and I know Xavier's learned a lot uh, from Quinn. Of course, all these guys are going to be going up against Utah State. We should talk a little bit about the Aggies. No. Know your enemy better than your friends, uh, as the old saying goes. I'm paraphrasing. But, again, a team that struggled against the run last year, 6-7, uh, and seven, I believe, in 2022. Up-tempo offense feels like at least a good opportunity, even if it's not uh, a team in the caliber that you're going to see in the Big Ten. It's a pace and a style that at least poses a, a good opportunity for the defense, so uh, definitely to at least figure some stuff out with. <sighs> Just... <laughs> 
my Utah State knowledge. Oh, man. I'm not yeah. asking you to name players <laughs> or stuff. Just, you know. And I won't. Um, <laughs> Cooper Legas is the... Uh, Legas. Yeah, Legas. It's pronounced Legault. currently. Yeah. yeah. French, as maybe? We, I don't know. As we've established um, with names, I'm so, learning. Yeah, I mean, e- even David and I were talking about this, how how yesterday it's like, we didn't really ask any of the players about anybody from Utah State. It's tough. <laughs> really, I mean, tough non-con. Yes. Excitement of and, what you're doing to start the season and uh, an unknown opponent like this. Did you guys uh, see this this quote, Tyler Techman from the Register Head? I did see that, from yeah. Lega. What's it say? I don't think it says... Um, For me, just watching film so far, I think it's not the most confusing defense I've ever seen. They really stick to base stuff but just do it really well which is what makes them so awesome every year which is a lot of Hawkeye fans are taking this as bulletin board but it's a backhanded compliment so to speak I, so I think you misspoke it sounds like he's yeah. like they're just really good which, they just but do that base is the stuff. narrative yeah. is that hey like it's, they're not doing anything difficult but they do the little things really really well which is that's the narrative that's been out there for a long time you hear it in color commentators and everything Zay, uh, Chad Leistico shared a, a quote, I believe it was from Xavier, saying the biggest transition for him getting onto the field was learning the complexity of Phil's offense. Hmm. So that was juxtaposed with that. I think he, Cooper meant that in a, in a very uh, complimentary way. But yeah, the fact that oh, they're it, not doing anything difficult. Like, almost, I'm sure that's the tone that people are reading it in. It almost sounds like something like, I could hear Kirk Ferentz saying, <laughs> saying I mean, it's like, yeah, the, I, I could see it as a compliment, but again, a diehard Hawkeye fan might be like, oh, what? We're not, I don't know. And again, we're at the point where, what does he mean by progressing, Cade? What do you mean? Like, yeah. We're dissecting every little, Just little thing right Everything now. can be bulletin board material. And I mean, I know that players and coaches love to take it that way too, where it's like, even if deep down, maybe they know that they didn't mean it as an insult, they love having something to think about, like, oh, we're going to confuse you. <laughs> um, but overall, I mean, you talk about this Utah State b- team being unknown, and that's maybe the main theme of that team. It's like they have 59 new players on the team this year. They had a lot of transfers out. Incredible amount of turnover between transfers and freshmen. And I think I saw 59 new players is like six most in the country of all uh, FBS teams. And so um, just that's what's hard to break this team down is we just don't know almost anything about any of their talent positions or anything. I mean, even Laga was like, you know, back and forth that we don't even know if he's going to be the starter on Saturday. So, um just so much unknown about this team, and sometimes that works to a team's benefit, sometimes to their detriment. So um, just not not much to say about them other than third-year head coach. Got a few guys returning. I think four on offense, five on defense, or vice versa, something like that. But just not not much known about them. And with that, we move to our picks. Who you got? <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to go down. I believe the Big Ten West is what we're going to go down. Mike and Owen will throw in picks as well. Let's start with Iowa and Utah State. Uh, the great unknown, are you going to gamble with them at all, so to speak? Or uh, who do you got coming in on Saturday for the Hawkeye opener? Uh, are we just picking straight-up winner, or are we doing money lines? Or? I didn't send you picks, did I, Mike? That's my <laughs> you didn't. I don't, I don't have any graphics either, but okay, I think okay. it's a 25-and-a-half point spread. I think that's changed a little bit. Let me see. Oh, really? Has it? I, did a la- I, I looked up the spreads last night, so. I don't think Chad, anybody. Uh, they may be off. Nobody here is. For, for just tweeting this out. By the way, Tyler, who you just mentioned, um, has been doing awesome. Coming He's great. I, I, I like his articles, really, too. Really, Good I'm a big supporter of Des Moines Register. Iowa line, according to Chad, work. about an hour ago, as of taping here, Wednesday afternoon around 2.15. Dipping a touch now, minus 24, down from 25.5. Over under 44.5, down from 45. Opening line was Iowa by 21, over under a 48. So. I say we take um, the spread and then do 24. I'm still taking Iowa. I think this one's going to be get out of hand. Yeah. Uh, 
yeah, none of us are going to pick Utah State to win this game. So um, I haven't spoken yet. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I I guess I would say that it would be really hard for me to imagine them not beating them by uh, twenty five or more points. Yeah, I don't think this is seven three with two safeties. Uh, Iowa covers. We'll go that. Let's start, though, with the game that's going to be coming up on Thursday to kick this whole shebang off. Nebraska at Minnesota. The Matt Rule era starts in Lincoln. P.J. Fleck going into, I believe, his mm. eighth season in Minnesota. Uh, I'll, I'll start Minnesota minus seven. I th- I'll, I'm going to take Minnesota to cover. I think if you play this game in November, Nebraska could cover, maybe even win, depending on where it is. I really like this Minnesota team. Like I said, I think they finish second in the West to Iowa. Uh, eighth in Kaliak Manis, struggled against the Hawks a little bit, then went into Madison the week uh, next week, threw for 300 yards. He's back. Sean Tyler's a transfer from Western Michigan who's a 1,000-yard back coming from the MAC. He's going to pair up with Bryce Williams. Minnesota's got a lot of weapons. I, I like Minnesota to, to win and cover to start the Big Ten campaign uh, on Fox 28, 7 o'clock on Thursday. I, I don't know. Again, maybe I'm just uh, sticking with Nebraska. Every year Scott Frost was around, I kept saying, like, oh, maybe this will be the year that Nebraska turns the corner. Um, my, my UNI roots, when I when I knew Scott Frost a little bit, when he was a linebacker's coach there at UNI, uh, was showing through a little bit there, but um, it just never happened, obviously. So Matt Rule, though, I, I don't know. I, I kind of like Nebraska in that game. I think that this, is gonna, this could be a turn-the-corner season for Nebraska. I think your pick does not rule Matt Rule. LOL. Uh, I've got the Gophers. I think I agree with Mitch that this game gets played at the end of the season, and when Iowa plays Nebraska, I think that might be a tricky game Mm -hmm. once they get things going. Um, But I just think game one, you know, I don't think they'll be ready. So I got got the Gophers. Row the boat. And then uh, Saturday morning, right at the same time, the Hawkeyes are kicking off. Fresno State at Purdue. Boilermakers, a a three-and-a-half-point favorite. New coach, new quarterback, no Charlie Jones. A lot of things can change for the Boilers. We'll start with you, Mike, though, who you got there uh, against Bulldogs and Boilers. That's a, a low line. I hadn't looked at it yet. Um, don't know much about Fresno, but I think all I've been hearing from Purdue Twitter, which I do have some people that I follow, uh, is is it Carson Hurd? Is that his name? He's he's a stud, the quarterback. Um, now you now you it's Hudson Hudson Card. Yeah. Hudson Card. I, I switched up. The, <laughs> Carson I knew Hurd. his name until Hudson you Card. said it, and then it got in my head and it got jumbled. With uh, that, Hudson I will Card take game. Purdue. <laughs> um, we're gonna figure out names one of these pods I yeah think. that's an interesting one so you said it was what three and a half three and a half Purdue by three and a half yeah. uh, I don't know I, uh, Fresno is such a weird program it seems like one year they're just atrocious and then another year they'll be like you know a legit one of the better uh, group of five teams um, eh, give me Fresno State Hudson Card I believe <laughs> will be great for the Boilers I've never uh, that down a, a new era starting with uh I think, yeah, Purdue by three and a half. I think they'll be they'll be good to go. Okay. Buffalo at Wisconsin, 19th ranked team in the country. Badgers favored by 28 points mm-hmm. to start the Luke Fickle era. Who you got? Uh, yeah, no problem picking Wisconsin in this game. Do they beat him by 28? Um, yeah, I think they do. I think that Buffalo is not going to be able to do much again. I, I, Wisconsin's got a lot of weapons coming back on offense and defense. Um, and I don't think Buffalo is going to be able to move the ball very much, so I could see this getting to you know in the area of uh, forty-two nothing territory. Michael, I got Buffalo. I just think I mean I think it's going to be a blowout, but twenty-eight's a lot of points. I used to bet a lot of these 
week one game, see what spreads. And I get so annoyed because I'm watching. I'm like, just, you know, in the fourth quarter. <laughs> but, it could, you know, 34, the world on Saturday. 34 to 10 is a blowout and they're not covering. So I'm going to take uh, Buffalo. Okay. I don't know anything. I know Tyree Jackson, a kid I covered in high school, was a heck of a quarterback for them. Turner Gill took him to a MAC title. Doesn't Charlie Jones go to Buffalo? Charlie Jones started at Buffalo. Tyree Jeez, Jackson's that's quarterback. right. Wow. So that's so all James, I know about James Buffalo. Butler. Uh, this is Another not transfer. Turner Gill's Bulls team, though. Um, I think Wisconsin will pour it on to, to start the, the air raid era in Madison. Of course, that'll be a big game for the Hawkeyes coming up in mid-October. 6.30 Saturday night, Toledo at Illinois. I know meteorologist Cason Frerichs, big Illini fan. Uh, scared of the Rockets. Should the Illini be? They are favored by 9.5, Owen. Uh... Maction, boy, that is troublesome. I don't know if that is if, the proper tone if, if, to use with Maction. If Kaysen is afraid, then then maybe I should be too. Um, I I don't know. Some you really like Illinois this year, don't you? I do. Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm taking Illinois. I'll just jump in ahead of you. I'll I'll, I'll take Illinois as well. Um, I think that uh, that could be a game that ends within three points or so of each other. But I could I'll take Illinois. I'll take Illinois to cover as well. Luke Altmeyer, I think, has a nice little debut for them after uh, Tommy DeVito really stabilized the quarterback position in Champaign. Of course, you got to replace Chase Brown, but I think they'll be okay. And then a Sunday morning game. Biggest game of the week. People could argue that, yeah. <laughs> Northwestern at Rutgers. <laughs> Rutgers favored by 6.5 in and Piscataway. Of course, Northwestern's been through a ton in the offseason. Uh, they've got Ben Bryant, the Cincinnati transfer quarterback. David Braun, former UNI assistant. Taking over as interim head coach for right now. Uh, the old adage, Northwestern hasn't won a game on U.S. soil in quite a while. Does that streak snap in New Jersey? I think, uh, boy, so you said Rutgers is what, six and a half point favorite? Point favorite. Are they ever going to be a six and a half point favorite again this, <laughs> this season? Rutgers um, 39 and a half. I could see this being a Northwestern comes out with a bunch of passion in week one. And then that ends up being their only win of the year, similar to last season when they beat Nebraska to start the year. Uh, yeah, I think Nebraska- Northwestern wins, and that's their only wow. win of the season. Well, straight up. I got Rutgers. I, I don't think Northwestern is that good uh, with all the turmoil and stuff. And I do like, well, don't like the direction Rutgers is going, but I think Greg Schiano is, you know, Laying some foundations. Like, guy who knows how to win it away for sure. He does. Uh, I'll take Northwestern to cover. I, ben Bryan's a, a Really good quarterback uh, coming from the Bearcats. And I, I think Northwestern is better than last year. I think they have to be better than last year. Obviously, a lot of turmoil. but Even with all the offseason stuff, you'd say they're better? Hey, maybe circle the wagons. We'll, we'll see what happens. The yeah. world, uh, so they say. So that's where we are as we wrap up uh, our first pregame edition of Eye on the Hawks. This is what everything's been building towards uh, as, after we launched in mid-August. Let's get you those social plugs one more time. If you aren't following already, you can go to Eye on the Hawks on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, YouTube page for Iowa's News Now, and Instagram will have clips and full episodes and videos there. And remember, Sunday morning, or Sunday afternoon, I suppose, at noon, will be our first reaction podcast where we recap everything from the Utah State game. We want you in the comments, sharing your thoughts and everything. We'll get to those as many of those as we can as we go live on YouTube again at Sunday at noon. For now, though, we'll just see you at Kinnick. Kick off 11 a.m. on FS1 as the Hawkeyes begin 2023. We'll catch up with you Sunday. Until then, for Mike and Owen, I'm Mitch. Go Hawks, I suppose, huh?